Well, doing something a little different this week. Yeah, I'm going to open a beer for this one. Yeah, we, uh, we've had some really exciting news this week, um, but I think also everybody's feeling a little bit of the uh, less than ideal um, current events that are in the news right now. That's for sure. And it's uh, it's been quite a whirlwind for us, um, really all of us that have been working on this book over this last year. Um, it's been really interesting. You know, we we started this book and, and everything with Afghanistan and, and what was happening um, over the last couple of days. You know, Afghanistan has been falling really for the last nine days now. We're recording this on Sunday, uh, August 15th. Um, but uh, it's been falling for a while, a little over a week. Mm-hmm. But the acceleration that's happened in the last few days has been incredible. And uh, the Tal- Taliban taking ground and and just taking over the provinces and, and to kind of give you guys a little bit of background. So because of all this happening, uh, Tom Amenta, one of the co-authors um, of the 20 year war was uh, basically gave his, his thoughts to a journalist of the Washington post mm. and uh, just, you know, told him basically he was heartbroken. He, he gave exactly how he felt his exact thoughts is, you know, why were we doing this? Why are we in this war? You know, if if we are just going to turn over the keys right back to the Taliban, what was the point of this? Yeah, and I kind of looked at it differently in the beginning because obviously as a civilian, I don't have any emotional ties. But it was kind of interesting to talk more with you and put myself in the shoes of the Afghani people who have basically been, you know, free or had more rights, mm-hmm. I would say, in the past 15 years, um, maybe even a little bit longer. And then to have those rights stripped all over again, I can see why it's affecting a lot of our soldiers and why everyone's pissed at the current administration for not doing anything about it. Yeah. And, and, you know, we're going to, we're going to dive into a little bit of everything that's been going on uh, lately. And and again, this is not our typical podcast format. We typically have a guest who want to, we want to tell veteran stories, but um, you know, this podcast was built really behind the idea of building this book, the 20 year war. And now that this war is coming to an end and it's coming to an end in in a way that I don't think anybody wants. Um, I don't think you could talk to a single veteran who's happy, um, with how everything's turning out. I don't think you could probably talk to majority of civilians who are just a little bit in the know of Mm -hmm. what's going on. That would be happy. I think like you said, even though we have a, a guest on each week, I think this episode, we're going to keep it short and kind of get everyone caught up. But I think we're more speaking for veterans as a whole. Yeah. And what maybe they're going through and maybe it'll help kind of calm their nerves a little bit by hearing a veteran like Dan, you know, talk about his experiences overseas and how he feels about this whole situation. Um, I think we'll have like a clip that we'll bring up and we'll kind of break it down and talk about from a recent interview that Tom was on. But after that kind of sour intro... The books are here. Yeah, yeah. No, we have exciting news again. It's it's been a, it's been a sad week, but at the same time, an exciting week. As you can see in the background, you know, we've got some books up on the shelf, um, and we're actually going to be shipping books starting this week. So, um, I want to I want to dive a lot more into this uh, after we get through kind of some of the sad stuff. But it it is very Damn. cool to finally have a tangible object in our hands. And let me tell you, this thing is not only massive but it's beautiful. Yeah. I don't want to open it up and spoil too much, but we've got books in the ready to ship. We're super excited. We've been working on this for the past almost year. Yeah. 
and it's basically ready for you guys now. So we'll talk more at the end. We'll get more into what this main topic of this episode is about, but we're at least excited that we got this during the weekend while it's such a, yeah. a blue weekend and we've been constantly being hammered by every news media team. I yeah. think you've been on three or four, if not more this weekend. I've been on five, five, five Tom, now. Tom's yeah. been on four or five between MSNBC twice, uh, CNN. News Nation twice, CNN, yep. CNN. Um, we uh we even got called up by a, a french media agency um we even got called up by a russian media agency and let me tell you we were very quick to say i don't think that this would be in our best interest to give yeah. our thoughts on this topic um but yeah it's it's been really interesting and and again I, I you know i understand why they came to us they specifically you know came to tom and i uh, both of us are Afghanistan combat veterans. You know, we've had multiple tours there. Um, we wrote the book, the 20 year war. So already there's a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of tangible ties into what's going on right mm -hmm. now in Afghanistan. And so I understand why they wanted our thoughts on what's going on. Um, and it was difficult to answer some of those questions. And, and it was especially difficult for me. Tom has a, a has a much stronger opinion on um, you know what's going on, and I I appreciate that, and I know a lot of veterans do. Mm -hmm. um, I try to take things more from the, you know, the thirty thousand foot view, and I I tried to answer questions in a way that's like I'm not representing all veterans. I'm giving my opinion, my opinion only. Um, anything that I said was trying to be as factually correct as I could, or as accurate to my belief as I could. Anything that was factually incorrect, you know, I'll apologize to anybody out there, but uh, it was not my intention to be wrong, but I, I don't think I said anything no. that was factually incorrect. But uh, yeah, it's been a whirlwind. The last 36 hours, I mean, since that Washington Post article came out, yeah. um, we've just been getting, been, been getting hit up left and right mm -hmm. um, to kind of give our thoughts. And it's been a mix of recorded interviews that have been kind of chopped up and plugged into some um, you know, live media and then, uh, live on air. We'll share all that too. We'll yeah. put links in this episode. We don't want to waste your guys' time for this episode, but if you guys are curious and you want to watch some of the, the news networks that had Tom and Dan on, at least you can kind of get more of a perspective of how they feel live uh, while it was happening this weekend. So what I want to do is kind of, again, give my take. And again, this is only my voice, but I do have a feeling that a lot of veterans probably will resonate with what I have to say. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I think it's also important that we have the conversation because when we started talking about it, you know, over the weekend, but even over today, this morning, like I kind of had to check you a little bit. Yeah. But, and I, I feel I like will, that's I okay. I woke up in a pretty sour mood. And, and, and <laughs> no, but I think that's okay. I think I, I don't think that there's a lot of people in the civilian population, you know, only, uh, I think about one and a half percent of the American population has served in combat in the conflict that happened in Afghanistan. That's such a small percentage of the American population that it would be unreasonable to think that every American is going to be upset about what's mm -hmm. happening. Yeah. And I think, like I said at the beginning, I think it was more like me seeing it from an unemotional unbiased perspective yeah. is because I'm looking from the outside in. So I basically see a, com uh, a country that has struggled for so long with Taliban forces or people taking over um, and, you know, taking away their freedoms to where I looked at it as a perspective is like, well, 
like no matter how much we're there to help it, they're never going to change. Like there's always going to have monsters coming out in the shadows and attacking these people. And like, why should we risk any more soldiers lives on our end? And then you kind of corrected me and I started thinking, well, now that I put myself in those shoes, let's say if somebody came to the United States, Mm -hmm. a force and didn't allow us to vote or do whatever we wanted, took all of our rights away and was stoning my family in the streets and doing all that. And I was like, actually, I can see why a lot of a lot of veterans are pissed off for all their efforts or brothers and sisters that were lost. So it, it's interesting to hear it from your perspective and then for me to kind of flip it. And I think that's what we want to talk about. And yeah. maybe there's people like listening that don't know much about it or maybe they have the same view as me. And they're like originally they're like, well, fuck it. We can't change anything. But yeah. hopefully by watching it or hearing mostly Dan talk from his, you know, being a veteran, um, I'm hoping we can kind of figure out what's going on and how we can maybe solve it if we can. Yeah. So let, let's start at the at the very beginning and at least give the um, the political justification of why we mm. entered Afghanistan. I won't get into any conspiracy theories. I'm not even going to address any of them. Damn it. I'm just going to talk <laughs> strictly from what's out there. Why? You know, whatever the narrative is, why we entered Afghanistan in the first place. So t- September 11th, 2001, obviously the Twin Towers were attacked. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twin Towers fell. The Pentagon was attacked. Um, another airliner, um, Flight 87, um, supposedly the... the, the um, Crash got taken over and crashed in Virginia, wasn't it? Yeah, so it got, it got hijacked by terrorists and then... Um, the passengers took tried, took, tried to take back control and then it, it's, you know, the wreckage is scattered all over Virginia. Again, not going into conspiracy theories at all. Yeah. Not here for that right now. Um, during the investigation, they found out there, there was, um, a lot of backing and financial, um, financial ties to Al Qaeda, which at time, at the time Osama bin Laden was kind of the leader of Al Qaeda and mm-hmm. he took ownership as well of, uh, the attacks of nine 11. Um, we already had intelligence that Al Qaeda was, uh, being harbored or, you know, had safe harborage in Afghanistan because the Taliban were in support. They got a lot of, um, whatever it was, they were allowed to do whatever they wanted in Afghanistan. So the U S made the decision that, all right, we're going to war with Afghanistan. We've got to fight the Taliban because obviously they're leaving open the door open for terrorists to flourish in that country. And we can't have that. Mm -hmm. And so um, October 7th, we had some pre-forces that came before then, but October 7th, 2001, uh, during objective Rhino, um, Rangers from third range battalion jumped yeah. in, uh, to the air. I believe it was Bagram airfield. If I got that wrong, I'm sorry, but, um, believe jumped into Bagram airfield and took control. And that was the first footprint that we had on the ground. Mm. So in Afghanistan, in Afghanistan, that's right. So, you know, Fast forward, or actually don't fast forward, but from that point forward, everybody in America knew that we were we were at war. Mm-hmm. It was a very clear enemy who we were going after. Yeah. We know what we were doing. Everybody who enlisted, everybody who re-enlisted knew that this was an ongoing war effort that if you signed up or if you extended or whatever the case may be, you you may not have known exactly what you were getting yourself into. I don't think anybody ever did, but you at least knew there's an ongoing war. You roughly knew what you were signing up. Yeah. And you knew that you were serving your country. You were there for a greater cause, right? You were there for some reason. Um, I don't think, you know, some people, even though they say it, 
they joined the military for free college. Like that's probably a motivation, motivating factor, but I guarantee you don't just join the military and stick with it just for the free college. No, you're pissed off and you want to fight. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a reason to be there, right? There's a higher calling, a, a greater service, whatever it may be. Um, so I joined right out of high school, age 17, um, and, uh, served for six years. I uh, did my first three tours to Iraq and then my last three tours to Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. So from when I saw, and again, this is my perspective, 2009, 10 and 11 are the three years that I deployed. Um, there was clearly a transition trying to happen. There was clearly a, a time where we were taking operational precedence in my first deployment where we were leading all of the point raids. Um, but then we eventually tried to transfer power to the mm-hmm. Afghanis. We, we trained them. We wanted them to take ownership of their country. <clears throat> we wanted them to take control of, you know, fighting back the Taliban. And that was like rebuilding their government. All of it. Yep. Okay. Building up schools, giving more freedom, allowing people to have uh, voting rights, really pushing back the Taliban to, to have a presence and the ability for people to uh, vote freely, feel safety and security, move about their country freely, um, w- give women's rights, mm-hmm. um, you know, ability for women to own businesses. That's a huge thing right now, too, that's taken away. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I want to talk about all of those. Um, but yeah, it gave the freedom to, uh, own businesses, to go to school, um, you know, to just do a a lot that, that previously was not viable, Mm -hmm. um, under Taliban rule. During that same time, we obviously also brought in a lot of people, uh, interpreters, contractors, people support folks that wanted to you know, build up the infrastructure, support the infrastructure of our military bases. So a lot of people that were contracted that were Afghanis that were either, like I said, interpreters, um, just worked on the base, cleaning things, you know, setting up stuff, construction, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So we also hired a lot of workers. Um, so we obviously built up a significant amount of support yeah. in Afghanistan. Um, and then in 2011 is also when Osama bin Laden was killed. Um, I think it was April or May 2011. Mm -hmm. So when I deployed my last time, I really thought that that was going to be towards the end of the conflict because we already pushed a lot of the terrorist networks largely out of Afghanistan. Obviously, there was still a presence there. Taliban never went away, but they did basically go into hiding. Well, we took out a lot of their main leaders leading up to Osama bin Laden, basically like one door to the next to figure out more info where he was at. Yeah, if I'm correct. And then obviously, I mean, you probably pecked off a lot of the bigger people in the Taliban. Yeah, and absolutely. Like you said, they went into hiding and then ISIS formed. So ISIS is a, a kind of a different thing that flourished and formed. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I believe that really spawned out of northern Iraq and in, in the uh, southeastern uh, Syria border. That's kind of where that that flourished. Yeah, you're right. Now, it did make its way into Afghanistan, but um, that was a little bit later kind of once once their presence was being pushed out of Syria and Iraq, they found safe harbor okay. again in Afghanistan. So, And I believe ISIS still has a small footprint there, so they haven't gone away. But it is part of the bigger conversation as well. So um, I got out in 2012. I really thought the war in Afghanistan was going to end. Like I thought, all right, this maybe has a year or two longer. Yeah. This is it. 
little did I know it was going to go on for another decade. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of crazy. It's insane to think about, like really insane to think about that. I was already a decade into it. I thought maybe a year or two, and I think a lot of people probably did. And then it went on for another decade. It's crazy. Like some of the people that we know that we've interviewed for this book that have had like 18 deployments. Yeah. I mean, and I'm when, like, what? When I got out in 2011, you know, one of my really good friends um, who ended up being killed in action in 2011, he had 14 deployments at the time. Insane. Like it's insane. Like it's insane and unfathomable. Half your about. life is spent at war. Yeah. A lot of people, especially in special operations, Man. you know, half of your time is really spent overseas. Yeah. So it, 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 uh, it validates the point as to why veterans now are upset is because if you've spent half your life fighting mm-hmm. alongside another country for their freedoms, it's, it's gonna psychologically, um, not mess you up, but it's definitely gonna like, no, it's going to mess a lot of people up for sure. It's going to be ripping the bandaid off. Yeah. No, I an old wound and just basically I, I get why a lot of these veterans are saying, or they're questioning, you know, was this war all for nothing? But I yeah. think there's a, a bigger message behind that, that it's not so much that it was for nothing. Yeah. So this year, or really it started last year, um, the U S started getting involved very heavily. Like there have been, you know, times over and over again, we've tried negotiating with the Taliban. It hasn't worked over and over again, tried negotiating. didn't work. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was it the, was it when the Trump administration came in is when we really start heavily going there again yeah and it was because and and again i might have this slightly wrong but i'm pretty confident the trump administration made a statement saying we are going to leave afghanistan Mm -hmm. but we have to have the taliban come to the table yeah and but the second that they heard that we were going to pull basically we wanted to leave the war entirely that's when they were like all right now we can talk because previously you hadn't said you were pulling everybody out now you're saying you're going to pull everybody out yeah now we'll talk to you Okay. So, um, started the negotiations, uh, I think in multiple places, but really where the, the latest negotiation has been and where the agreement with the Taliban, with the Taliban has been is in, uh, Doha and, uh, kind of a shady situation. Um, we've tried in the past having, um, you know, the Afghan government, the U S government and the Taliban kind of sit together Mm. and come up with a solution hadn't come up with a solution and it seemed, and I don't know, and this is just based on reporting. I don't know if this is hundred percent factual, but, um, it seemed as though we pushed the Afghani government kind of to the side and said, all right, well, we're going to negotiate directly with the Taliban. Hmm. So we kind of negotiated on behalf of the Afghan government. Um, now I don't think that that's that big of a deal personally. We've been kind of, you know, propping them up for 20 years. Uh, we did need to come up with some sort of exit strategy. We got to get out of there. I mean, we spent almost a trillion dollars in that country. We've Mm -hmm. lost countless lives in that country. Um, our whole goal was to, uh, establish a a democracy there that would flourish and really be able to support itself. So, and then going forward, let's say, I think it was almost a month ago, maybe three weeks ago, um, the rough timeframe, obviously we've been working for years and years establishing security, training these, these, uh, Afghani troops and, and building up their own military and, and presence mm-hmm. there. And then as of, I think a month ago, three weeks ago, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, overnight, we just pulled out like basically a left Bagram airport. Yeah. Bagram was the big one that was in the news. And, um, um we basically, yeah. And I, I remember seeing on the news that a lot of the 
you know, Afghani soldiers and commanders were like, they didn't even say goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Like they just dipped out overnight. Well, where's the Americans? And I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people still are talking about this. And, uh, again, I can't tell you for certain what has happened on the ground, but I can understand people's frustration. Um, but when it comes to entering or leaving a battle space, typically we don't tell people exactly it's when like that's going to happen. strategy and it, it protects people. Yeah. It just protects people because if you told somebody, Hey, I'm, I'm leaving at nine o'clock, uh, local tomorrow you i know, mean you could be ambushed who knows know. they could push out that information you could be ambushed i mean they could legitimately slaughter a lot of people at one time because they know exactly when you're leaving yeah that's a good so point. we we leave it open on purpose um so to i think that's what happened mm-hmm. personally and again that's my personal belief is probably they said hey we're going to be leaving in the next couple of days Probably the Afghanis were expecting some sort of formal handover. Yeah. That was like, here's all the equipment we're leaving behind. Here's the here's keys. everything. Here's the keys of this, this is how this works, blah, blah, blah. And that we didn't do that. We just said, All right, we're gone. Like in the middle of the night. Figure, just gone, vanish. Yeah. So, you know, I understand why a lot of people are not happy about that. Um I think we probably had enough presence though, even us leaving them randomly, that they kind of already had formal training and possibly knowing how to regulate and run the country yeah. before we dipped out. I mean, we, we've done so much uh, for, I don't think we would have left if we didn't believe that they could hold their own. Well, all right. And then, you know, we're going to play this clip in a minute, but, um, even the, I mean, even Biden said back in April that there's never going to be a case where we pull out of Afghanistan and the embassy is going to, people are going to be airlifted out of the embassy or that, he doesn't believe the Taliban are ever going to be able to take back over the country. <laughs> that's what's happening now. I mean, I don't know if you've been watching the news, but uh, well, it's, fun that it's cl- been pretty quick. Let's well, find that clip because I know Tom's on it at the end. Yeah. So I'm curious to hear you break it down. We're going to we're going to kind of walk through this a little bit and pause a few different times because it does kind of highlight everything that's ho- happened over the past couple of days uh, or past couple months rather. Um and it's really interesting. This was one of the news stations that uh, Tom and I both got interviewed for. So, mm. uh, and, it, and it's kind of frustrating how they cut it together, but the, that's what producers do. That's what news networks do is they try and find that one clip that's going to get people, you know, heated up on the edge of their seat, on the edge of their seat and be like, oh, I got to hear more, you know? And so that's what they did in this clip. And, you know, that's, that's what I expect. Yeah. We'll, we'll watch it and we'll be quiet so you guys can hear. And then we'll pause it every once in a while and, let you guys kind of hear our opinions on it. But yeah, it has been a, a crazy weekend with all this stuff going on. Oh, of course we got little ads. Excuse the ads. The Taliban are sweeping across Afghanistan, taking control of at least 30 of its 34 provinces over the last 10 days and their provincial capitals, including Afghanistan's second and third largest cities. Now they're in Kabul. <laughs> Just last month. I mean, if you just look at that map in itself, right? All that red is Taliban. All that red is is now Taliban control. Wow. And several months ago, like the Taliban have always held small, very small regions of uh, of Afghanistan. I think at one point they didn't really control anything, but there's always been a conflict. There's always been like, all right, you can control this little area. We'll keep you, you know, confined to your little space. But the fact that it's expanded so quickly in 10 days, realistically, to take over 95 percent of the country is just insane yeah to fathom just last month 
President Biden promised. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy. But now, President Biden has ordered troops back in Afghanistan, raising the total to 5,000 to secure the evacuation of the U.S. Embassy, which has now begun. The embassy staff have been instructed to shred sensitive documents and destroy computers. The airport is now the only safe way in or out of Afghanistan. That's one of the reasons why we move these... So, so basically, people are being airlifted out of the embassy. Now, uh, they're not airlifted off the rooftop. There's There's been a few images being circulated right now. They're making it look that way. They're making it look okay. that way. Um, and I get it. Like, it, it does look bad. I don't think they're being airlifted off the rooftop. They have a landing pad that's right next to the building. Yeah. Um, but they are burning documents. They are, you know burning computers, destroying computers, things like that. Everything that you have to do when you escape an embassy. But the here's the problem that I have with it is if we knew we were going to leave the embassy and we knew that this day was coming, this shouldn't have been a scramble to get all this done. You know what I mean? Those people should have already been out of there. They should have been out of there. Like nobody was, nobody was assuming that the Taliban were going to be able to do what they did. But let me tell you, for somebody who's, fought the Taliban. They're incredibly smart. They're yeah. incredibly crafty. There's a reason why there have been three major um, countries who have had a conflict in Afghanistan, the British in the 1800s, and the China. Russians in the 1980s. The Russians, China and has issues with them. China's always had small issues with mm -hmm. them. Uh, and then the US obviously is 20 year war, but there's a reason why the Taliban always come up on top. They know their land, they know what they need to do. They don't try and fight overnight they try and fight the long war they can outlast anybody so they've been planning for this i guarantee for months if not years Jeez. they knew that this day was coming they knew that we were going to completely withdraw the second that it happened that the last few troops were pulled out of the last remaining satellite uh bases so there was still some troops i, I believe in bagram or sorry in and Kabul, mm -hmm. um even throughout this week but the second that they were pulled out everywhere else the Taliban were like, all right, it's time. Let's start taking them down. And what they did is it was like a domino effect. They just started taking down one small province after another until they built up enough fighters to where it's like, you bring in several hundred, several thousand people into a province and you stand in front of the Afghani military or Afghani police. Of course, they're not going to try and fight. Yeah. They don't have any reinforcements. They don't have anybody there for backup. Mm. It's just them against the hundreds and thousands of Taliban that are standing in front of you. And that's kind of how they start to slowly take over the rest exactly. of the country. And the other thing that's been being reported lately, and I, I 100% believe this, is they've been able to strengthen remarkably fast because they're clearing out all of the um, military and police um, prisons. Mm. And they're just absorbing more and more Taliban just fighters. more old friends coming So in. again, when I was in um, Afghanistan in 2009, we were still, um, I don't know how best to say this, but basically, uh, taking prisoners out of the country. Mm -hmm. They weren't left in Afghanistan. We were like still Guantanamo. using, yeah, we were still using Guantanamo Bay and stuff like that. We had other places to, you know, house prisoners. But my last deployment in 2011, um, we had a transition agreement and every Afghani that was ever taken into custody had to go through the Afghani court system mm. and then was then imprisoned there in Afghanistan. Unless they had some crazy war crimes against the US or something like that, then I think we still like deported them or whatever. Hmm. But I, I think for the most part, every Af Afghani 
that was ever taken into custody stayed in Afghanistan. Interesting. I want to see the rest of this one and see where it goes. We move these forces or we're moving these forces into Kabul to assist with this particular mission because we know, we know that, that time is a precious commodity here. Just 1,200 Afghans who work for the United States as interpreters or in other jobs have been evacuated to the United States. Roughly 88,000, including family members, could need to be evacuated, according to a nonprofit advocacy group. We have a sacred moral obligation to help those who have helped us, uh, and we're not walking away from that. And the United Nations is warning of a larger humanitarian disaster. If they arrest us, they will kill us. Everyone, they will kill us. Given the situation right now, how do you see the future for women? Before we get into the women thing, I, I do want to address that. So again, you know, there's been this movement for months now. Really, it's been years, but really the last couple of months is when it's been the biggest is Everybody knew we were leaving Afghanistan. Um, the Taliban were slowly starting to take control of small areas. Mm. Um, and there were already reports of them finding interpreters, basically, and, and slaughtering them. Jeez. And so there was a huge push to get all of the interpreters, Afghan interpreters, um, out of Afghanistan as fast as possible. So they were starting the the um, 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 basically a passport program, like getting a visa, sorry. Uh, getting these Afghan interpreters visas. Um, I can't remember the name of the program that they started up, but it was to accelerate the process so that Afghans could get their visas faster and get mm. out of the country. Mm. Still not fast enough. You saw they said only 1,200, but there's 88,000 who were either contracted, supported, or immediate immediate family members. That's crazy. Of those that were contracted or supported. So Shit ton of people. If we knew that this was coming or that this was going to happen. I don't know why we didn't accelerate things faster. Yeah. I don't know why we didn't have a policy that was like, all right, let's stay in place, provide safety and security for these people that we know are going to flee Afghanistan and let's get them out first mm -hmm. before we just completely pull everybody out. Cause yeah. obviously the Taliban wasn't upholding their end of the bargain that they were going to cease fire, that they weren't going to do anything. They weren't going to press until we had all troops out until a certain date. I can't remember exactly and what they just went was. back on their word and they just went back on their word and they obviously started taking over the country a lot faster than we expected. Yeah. And now we're, you know, we're deploying 5,000 troops there. Um, from what I heard today, tonight is they're not even all there yet. So all this is happening. Kabul's falling and there's still no troops, not, all the troops. Yeah, there. you're not seeing anybody, any journalists. Yeah, recording it's, it it. it's crazy. So, in in Afghanistan, Taliban are not afraid of the world superpowers. They are not afraid of the B-56 or B-52. They're afraid of the women. The top U.S. general in Afghanistan warned last month that a Taliban takeover could allow Al Qaeda to rebuild. If that pressure comes off, I believe they're going to regenerate, and I think it's only a matter of time before we see them assert themselves and begin to plan attacks against our homeland. Now, as President Biden stands by his withdrawal strategy. So two things really quick I'll just touch on because we already we already talked about them. But mm -hmm. absolutely, women in Afghanistan are going to be brutalized, beaten. They're the ones that think that it's going to hit the hardest. That's who's going to hit the hardest for sure. And I think if there's going to be anybody who's going to feel the biggest wrath of the Taliban taking over, it's going to be them and the interpreters for sure or the supporters of of, of the military or of, of, of the U.S. Jeez. And it's just incredibly sad to see that mm -hmm. um, and to know that that's what's going to happen. There's no question about it. It's already happening in the regions that the Taliban have already taken over. Yeah. And then the other piece to that, um, what General McKenzie was saying there, 
or sorry, uh, Admiral McKenzie was saying there is that the Al Qaeda is going to take over or come back or reflourish or start back up or whatever. Yeah. The second that this starts back up, it's hundred percent going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to think too, as they were taking over all these places, the Afghan military were laying down their weapons. From what I've heard, there haven't been like major battles or major fights trying to hold ground. It was more or less just kind of, you know, surrendering. Yeah. And, uh, so all the military equipment we left behind to give to the military. They're just taking or to it the all Afghan it. military. They're taking it all. Taliban Jeez. have it all. That's so crazy. not only did they get the land back, but now they have a stronger, at least what I'll say is is stronger, um, a stronger militia, a stronger ability to fight with weapons and, mm-hmm. and equipment that really could, you know, pose a threat to the US or its allies in the region. Yeah. We're going to continue to keep our commitment, but I do not regret my decision. He's likely to own Afghanistan's collapse. He owns this now completely. It isn't Donald Trump's Afghan policy. It's Joe Biden's. It's a tragedy, and it's a tragedy that was entirely preventable. Up until now, most Americans have supported the military withdrawal, which was initially announced last year by then-President Donald Trump. But some who served in America's longest war are asking what their sacrifices were for. I lost friends there. It's hard to understand what it was for. If this is how it ends, how do you tell veterans that it was worth it? Why did we spend the past decade there? What What was the purpose? What was the goal? That was uh, Tom there, obviously. Yeah, so. On MSNBC. So that was uh, kind of some so, of the interviews that I know you and when Tom were on this weekend. Yeah, and, and you notice there at the end, you know, obviously they clipped that one, that one segment and, uh, Tom goes on to say, and this is just what the media does. I get it. We knew going into this weekend they that clip what they want. They, the clip that they aired is the one that they wanted. Yeah. Uh, what Tom continued to say was, you know, why were we there? Why did we fight in this war if we didn't, if we weren't going to have a policy that was going to pull us out of there safely, that wasn't going to uh, watch out for our Afghan allies? And that's what he continued to say. Hmm. Um, and I 100% agree. I mean, I understand the frustrations and the anger and the angst and everything every veteran's going through because I feel it too. Yeah. I've lost many friends in Afghanistan. I've lost many friends in both Iraq and Afghanistan. So I understand the thought of why did we do this? Why did I lose my friend? Why did, you know, my brother or sister in arms die? Like what like, was the point? What was the point if we were just going to from what it appears, just strengthen the Taliban more. Like basically give up. Yeah. Why were we just going to give up on a war that uh, we ended up, ended up sacrificing more than anybody else? Mm. And I get that 100%. And I think this is why I wanted to do this epi- episode was to just tell all the veterans out there, no matter what you think policy-wise, it doesn't matter. What does matter is the reason you fought, the reason why you were involved in this conflict was to serve and protect our nation. Mm-hmm. You did that. We had 20 years of really no major terrorist attack on American soil from outside the US. We had 20 years of safety and security for majority of the world because we didn't allow terrorism to flourish. Yeah. We as veterans decided to sign up because we wanted to serve 
with our brothers and sisters. We absolutely did that. We were there hand in hand, arm in arm, taking the fight to the enemy to eliminate the threat, to make sure that we were there for each other and to really build a stronger bond than anybody could imagine. What what do you think personally, in your opinion, you think is going to happen now? I, so again, I don't know enough. I'm not an intelligence person, so it's hard for me to say. Um, I personally knew that this was going to happen. I thought the Taliban were going to take over again. I thought if we didn't have some sort of presence in the region somehow, Mm -hmm. that this was going to continue, like this was going to exactly happen. Um, I don't think anybody expected it to happen this fast, obviously. Um, I don't think anybody could have predicted that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I also wouldn't have ever guessed that we would have just stood idly by to watch it happen. And yeah. it's frustrating to see that. And it's frustrating to know that. And then it's frustrating to know, especially that we had a policy to, and that we did this in Iraq as well, is to spend the money on the equipment, bring it overseas, train our partners in the equipment, leave it with them in hopes that they use it for their own safety and security. Yeah, now it's overtaken. And now it's fallen into the hands of the enemy. Like they have probably billions of dollars worth of equipment that we basically, well, we gave to the Afghani government Mm -hmm. and then they basically handed it over to the Taliban. Jeez. So it's not going to be pretty. Don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of days. I don't know what's going to happen in the weeks, months. may take years. Yeah. Let's change that background. We'll get rid of it. Give you guys a nice background to look at. Yeah. Um, Instead of MSNBC. Instead of Chuck Todd. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it is crazy when you think about where it's going to go, you know, now that they've got a lot of equipment of ours, you know, it's sad to see that they had to give all that up and just hand it over. But who knows? Oh, what is that playing in the background? I don't know. Oh, you got your phone still on. <laughs> I was like, where is that coming from? <laughs> I hope you guys yeah. like this, this week's <laughs> raw episode. Yeah. And, um, the last thing I wanted to say, and, and, and especially to all the veterans, is uh, everybody who served, whether it was in a support role or, or a direct combat role, mm-hmm. um, you did your job. Yep. You did exactly what you signed up for. You accomplished your mission that was ahead of you directly. Um, whatever happened in the last 20 years, you should not regret or look back to or think, why the hell did this happen? Why did we do yeah. this? Um, I think it's important to instead think of the last 20 years as the most intense way to honestly, in a certain sense, better yourself Mm -hmm. and better those around you and to live the life that maybe your brothers and sisters couldn't live because they, they passed or they didn't make it back. Yeah. I think that's a hard thing that, a lot of veterans are facing right now. Um, but it's like you said, and I think it's like, you know, it's me repeating you, but it makes a lot of sense when you think about that. Maybe there was just that one person 
that you could have changed their life. Mm-hmm. There could have been that one person that you know, you never know that you gave their freedom to, or you helped them leave an area or be with their family or, you know, just to touch their hearts and that could have changed their life. So I, I, I look at it from the outside, like, you know, we were at war for 20 years, but there's a lot of areas in those 20 years that you could have saved many lives and only one really matters. And so it's kind of, I wouldn't look at it almost as, you know, it's what's done is done and it's not worth it. I think it's opposite. And I think that everybody needs to have more of that kind of positive mindset, even though it's a rough time. Yeah, it's a very rough time. And and the, the bigger thing to me is like, if we, if we are self-defeating, if we defeat ourselves over whatever policy unfolded in Afghanistan, that is just adding to our enemy's victory lap. Mm -hmm. They are just sitting back and they're going to laugh and they're going to consume this and they're going to say, look at us. We beat them. We didn't just beat the government. We beat every person that served for the government. Yeah. And we cannot allow that to happen. Instead, you know, I, I put this in my Facebook post is we have to stay strong and unite. We have to be together. We have to support each other. Mm-hmm. If you are a veteran, you're hearing this, this, all this news unfolding and it's affecting you and you know that you're just pissed off or you're angry or you're sad or whatever emotions you're going through, like reach out to somebody, talk to your buddies, talk to, you know, friends and family, whatever the case may be, but like talk to somebody, get those frustrations out, like yell. It doesn't matter. I understand you're pissed off. Mm -hmm. We all should be pissed off. But the last thing that we should do is what I don't want to come out of this is we can't have a second wave of you know, the last 20 years is, it has affected us. Obviously, I don't like talking about this top, topic at all. I really don't. I hate it, but I feel like I have to address it is that 22 service members or veterans, you know, commit suicide yeah. a day. This should not be an event that's going to see an uptick. In not, that. not even one. Not even one. If anything, I want this to be the catalyst that drives veterans to unite again and say, we're fucking pissed off. Like we are incredibly pissed at the way that this unfolded. Mm -hmm. We feel, feel like it was for nothing, but we know that it wasn't. And the reason why is when I look to my left and to my right, I see my brother and my sister there and I'm excited that I get to spend another day with them. Yeah. Well, um, we can obviously share a little bit about the book before we wrap, um, for people that are just listening, maybe they haven't tuned in. They, they don't really know much about this book, but, Obviously, with a bitter weekend or bitter week, I should say, with everything going on, you know, we truly want to honor at least 71 veterans that we have. Well, we should honor every veteran that's, you know, served in the last 20 years. But um, I mean that because we can't fit everybody in the book. But hopefully this is enough of a, I guess, a a wide, you know, pretty wide margin. We've Mm -hmm. we've really tried to capture the entire military, the entire veteran. Like we've, we've really, really tried hard. Um, and I'm excited Mm -hmm. because this week I received these books Yeah, and I was able to open the box and look at it and you had the same reaction I did. You were like, Oh, Oh. started flipping through it. I drove up like right away. Yeah. I knew I had to come up for this weekend because I knew we were going to be on the news or Dan and Tom were going to be, I needed to be here to help. And uh, I knew we, you know, we wanted to do some kind of podcast for you guys before we get back to our regular schedule next week. We have a guest. Um, we thought it was important to do this, but I remember, you got the book shipped to your work mm-hmm. and uh, they came in pallets. And I was like, wait, you've seen them without me? Oh man, <laughs> I, I need to come up and check them out. But they're they're big and it's awesome to, you know, finally see the stories that 
you know, we photographed and, and we interviewed. And I think that for those of you listening that may want to help a veteran or you're a fellow veteran and mm -hmm. you actually want to read these stories and maybe that helps distract, I don't know, the shit that's going on right now, or it helps you even not even just just distract you, but to put you to a kind of a higher level, a higher mindset of seeing that these veterans have been through this shit like you have, but then they've gone on a more positive route in their life. Well, I think it goes, goes to directly my last point that I was saying, you know, before we started talking about the book is like, use these stories to reflect on, like use these stories, like every single one of them has a life lesson, a mantra or something that they've learned from their experience in the military. And I think that's the other important part that we can't forget is like, there are so many skills and knowledge and, and wisdom and leadership and teamwork, all those different things that you yeah. learned in the military that you didn't just vanish or didn't just disappear. Or like you got a certain level of experience and exposure and, and training that nobody else in the population has, mm -hmm. you know, even, even other veterans prior to the last 20 years haven't had the same level of exposure and, and needing to react and, um, and know how to process things and every everything you know just you have a completely different mindset and so the stories in here are definitely going to highlight that yeah definitely. they 100 do and you'll learn something different from every single veteran and it was something mm -hmm. we've talked about multiple times but i was super excited to see i thought i was going to hear a lot of common stories yeah same. a lot of the same stuff we have truly 71 unique stories yeah yeah not one as alike and i mean for you know those of you thinking that it's it's a book i mean really it, it's a giant coffee tail book this is a museum quality pro probably uh, you know ego and pride aside of how happy i am with this thing uh it, it's probably one of the nicest books that i've uh, had the pleasure of working on and being a part of and this is obviously our first book so we're obviously very stoked on it and you know we hope that the rest of you are but all right, we just had Tony Brooks on uh, yeah. a few episodes ago, and uh, here's his book. By the way, go check it out, Leave No Man Behind. It's an incredible story of of his and his first-hand accounts of um, during objective... Um, uh, Operation Red Wings. Yeah, Operation two. Red Wings 2. Thank you, Bill. Uh, Operation Red Wings 2, and uh, so it's an incredible book. But look at the <laughs> size difference like this is already a pretty decent book yeah his book's like, pretty big look at the size difference of the book so when it, we say it's a coffee table like it's no joke you could smack somebody with this thing and knock them out really? <laughs> it's got some weight you can hear that for those of you that are just listening to audio you're not going to be able to see how big Actually, this book here, is if you want to not necessarily show too much but you know let me see flip, if we flip can. through some of it oh this is gonna be hard of an angle Let's see here. here I'll, hold, I'll hold the other side. Oh, man, that's going to be oh, awkward yeah. as hell. I mean, it's... I'm trying to show... It's no joke. Some of it. But, yeah, it's... I mean, there's pictures all throughout on every single page. You've got the portraits that I took all on film, and you've got photos of each veteran from their deployments overseas. So, for those of you listening again um, that are interested in it, you can go on 20yearwar.com. Again, that's 20yearwar.com. If you're not interested, that's fine. But if you know anybody that served or you have friends or family that have or you just want to help spread the word, again, we're very proud of it. It's our first book, and we'd love to have you guys come along on this journey and, and share with as many people well, as you know. I, I think JC Glick, we we actually just were on a podcast with him. You know, he's mm -hmm. one of the veterans in the book, but he had a he had an excellent point the other day is even if you didn't directly serve or don't know somebody who was directly involved in the conflict, um, whether you do or you don't, this is an excellent book to purchase and yeah. gift to somebody. 
So if you think, you know, you know somebody who's served in the last 20 years or even prior to the last 20 years, you know, this is not just an autobiography. It is an incredible photo book and it's a history of what each of these veterans have gone through. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's a living history through them. It's from their perspective. And I think there's, it's just going to connect with a lot of veterans. And then the people that are trying to understand, especially right now, as the 20 year war comes to an end. Businesses, the civilian. Yeah. Just like understanding what veterans are going through or what they experienced in the last 20 years. This is an excellent way to kind of get that inside perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. And I think it'll be good for me, even businesses to have, you know, posted up and grab that coin too. And then for where well, there's two editions, uh, not to overwhelm you guys, but there's a standard edition. So like what we just held up, if you just want the book, you can purchase that. But there's also a very limited edition that's hand signed by us three authors. Um, it also comes with a protective slip cover. It comes with this over there. little challenge coin. It's going to be hard to see it, but it's a double sided coin. It says Global War on Terrorism, has a limited edition number on it, and it has the cover of the book engraved on one side. It's a really nice coin. Yeah. Again, another item that's got a lot of weight. This thing is like solid, almost like brass. Yeah. Um, but what's what's unique is that, you know, when it comes with a leather flag patch, you can put on, you know, clothing or a hat. But it just gives somebody that wants more of like a, a collector's item for the home. There's two different packages that you guys can select. Yeah. And uh, last thing before we jump off here that I want to announce to people mm. is uh, we are incredibly excited and honored uh, to announce that we will be launching our book at the National Veterans Memorial Museum in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. On we've, September 11th. On September 11th. So we've kind of hinted on it a few times before, um, but we've kind of ha- hashed out and finalized a lot of details with the uh, museum staff. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to be an incredible event. It's going to be a gala level event. You know, we're going to have a uh, cocktail hour, book signings, um, guest speakers, a panel event where you can talk to not only us, the authors, but then also talk to some of the veterans who are in the book. Um, And we're inviting the public. We want people from the outside to experience this. We want them to- It's gonna be fun. Engage. We really want this to be an engaging event. We don't want it to just be, you know, let me first start by saying the reason we have it on September 11th, obviously, is that's the date that kicked off. And there's a lot of things to think about on September 11th. But we are, are really, dedicating our time of remembrance mm-hmm. to that date by honoring the people that decided to serve and protect the United yeah. States after September 11th or mm-hmm. decided to extend and stay in after September 11th. Yep. And so it's going to be an incredible event. We're really excited about it. Um, the National Veterans Memorial Museum is going to be releasing more information as mm-hmm. well as tickets uh, to the event. Probably, um, probably this week. This week. This podcast launches. Yeah, it will be this week when the podcast launch launches. So if you're hearing this, Google National Veterans Memorial Museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, go to their website. Look at, uh, they'll have an event page. They'll have tickets to you purchase. If for whatever reason, by the time this podcast comes out, you don't see that, just hit us up. And as soon as the link comes live, um, you know, we'll we'll push it out. Yeah, not to, and not to complicate it, but um, for those of you that don't know, obviously, you know, the 20-year war is our book that we created, but our company is United Valor. Mm-hmm. So if you're not already following us on Instagram, I hate doing this kind of plug shit, but it's <laughs> it's we are United Valor. Again, we are United Valor. Yeah. I'm literally saying this to you guys because if you don't see it on the National Veterans Memorial Museum website, 
come message us on Instagram, follow along because we're always posting updates. Yeah. And the last thing I will say for a shameless plug, but this is really important. I feel like people are gonna be like, I'm not fucking listening to you guys yeah, anymore. Yeah, they're not gonna listen to us anymore. <laughs> they probably shut it off 10 minutes ago when we started talking about the book, but oh, you know, that's fine. If you're listening this far, then obviously you're still a little interested. Um, we are we are actively looking for sponsors and donors for the event. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just the event, but we do have something else exciting to announce that we will be announcing at the event yep. that we will be looking for sponsors and donors for. So if it's something that you're interested in, the sponsors and donors, by the way, for the event specifically, are going to be helping to pay for um, the veterans who are in the book yep. to be able to travel and attend the event. This isn't for us. This is not for us. This we, doesn't we go in our pockets at all. We are not getting anything. It's going directly towards the veterans. Um, and it's making sure that they can get to the event without a cost to them. Uh, there are several veterans in the book that are very successful. Obviously, they're covering their own cost, but not everybody is. You know, there are some yeah. people who have, you know, it's going to stretch their means to be able to get out there. So we're trying to get this covered for them. Yeah. And, and again, you know, obviously we're looking for sponsors, any donations help. But, we, you know, like Dan said, we have quite a few veterans that would love to come. Um, obviously, with COVID, it's it's really in, incapacitated a lot of people with their work and with funds and obviously we everybody knows who's listening to this but we want to try our best to give back to those veterans that uh took the time to be a part of our book and to have them come and you know help commemorate the 20-year anniversary of 9-11 and be there for the event but we'd love for you guys to be there too like you said it is open to the public i think there's a limited amount of tickets yeah i think there's maybe 200 um but again as long as you're listening to this and you're following us you'll, you'll you'll hear all the info before anybody else yeah and um last thing i'll say about it is or last thing on the the donation piece you can contact us if you'd like to Mm -hmm. um or you can go to the contact us on the national veterans memorial museum uh and directly contact them because any donations are going to go through the museum uh since they are a 501c3 it'll be a tax deduction to anybody who donates or sponsors um so it's incredibly important that it goes to them just because uh, we want to make sure one that they are able to handle the nonprofit side. They get a lot more incentives than we do, uh, but then also we want to make sure that it's going to through the right people. Yep. Yeah. And I think um, you know it, it'll be a lot of fun at the end of the day, and and we'll share a lot of uh, info and photos and videos for those of you unfortunately that can't make yeah. it. Um, you know, stay tuned for that. But again, uh, thank you guys for you know tuning in. I know it's a kind of an an awkward, not so usual episode this week, but I know Dan especially and, and myself felt it was important to at least get an episode out there where we could discuss what's going on currently in the world, especially yeah. Afghanistan, um, kind of some updates with the book and our business. But next week, we'll be back to our regular schedule. We'll have another veteran on to hear their story like usual. And uh, just thank you guys for tuning in. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, if you're a veteran, you're struggling right now, reach out, talk to your fellow bu- buddies. Uh, give us a call. Uh, give us a call. Drop us a line, whatever. You know, We'll answer it. Um, definitely reach out. If you're not a veteran, you know, some veterans like reach out to them as well and make sure that they're doing okay. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they're not going to want to talk, you know, talk about it, especially if they're a combat veteran who's been to Afghanistan, like, trust me, this is affecting them. Yeah. I don't care whatever anybody says, this is affecting them in some way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I can't thank you enough and I'm glad we have this platform. We can talk about this. Um, and I appreciate you guys listening if you did listen this far and, uh, we're we'll excited see. to see you next week. Yeah. See you guys next week.